You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. We are getting back into our Twitter Tuesday episodes throughout this offseason. Took a couple weeks off as we broke down every single division and team's NFL drafts we're back on regular schedule now twitter tuesday happening now matt did you miss answering the listener questions yes always got to interact with the uh, the tackling dummies the practice squad give them a little shot here to interact and uh, let's just dig in that's a whole show today mailbag galore i love it okay dna fit doesn't agree with your josh jacobs ranking from your running mm. back rankings yesterday matt by the way at bd peacock at williamson nfl is where you can find matt and myself and get any questions in you don't have to wait for us to ask for them for a twitter tuesday if something pops in your dome tweet at us and let us know this one from dna fit says love the show i do think josh jacobs is getting underrated though on the list a little context for when he was at bama he was a lesser recruit than both damian and Najee harris and by the end of the year, Tua was being pulled for Jacobs in Wildcat, key in Raiders' run game also. What do you think? Josh Jacobs, you underrating him. Where was he, uh, thir- uh, 12, 13 on your list? Yeah, right in that neighborhood. I don't have it in front of me. But my my my, my rundown of him, if you listened, was I really respect his game. I love the aggression in which he plays with. I think he's an underused receiver. But I wonder if there's more to that. I mean, we've had several coaches that don't quite use him to his maximum capabilities in the passing game. Why is that? Um, the, the backs ahead of him are pretty darn good, though. You know, I mean, the top 10 backs in the league are pretty strong. Jacob's durability to me worries me, though. I, I mean, I can see where you'd make that case. And, yes, he was lesser recruited than some of the other Bama dudes I didn't really even factor that in. I mean, nor did I care, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, I I think Saban's going to play the best guy, and he played plenty and earned the first-round grade to come out, and I don't think there's any shame in losing a touch here or there to Damian Harris and especially Najee Harris, you know. So uh, I hear you. I mean, he's a really good back, and on his best day and his healthiest time and when used properly – he would certainly be higher on the list. I just don't think we see that enough. Saban's absolutely going to play his best guys. And even if you are a lesser recruit, you were still recruited and offered by Bama, right? right so that's not right, a terrible right. recruit. It's not like he came out of nowhere and it was at Ball State first and then it ended up at Bama and transferred there or something. Like he was. So he was a four star. Right. Yeah. He was, uh, he right. was a big time recruit and he wasn't maybe the five star number one recruit in the country at running back like Najee Harris was. But still, he was recruited enough, and Alabama liked him enough. You know, it doesn't matter what you're recruiting ranking if the team that likes you a lot is Alabama, and they bring you in, and you're a stud running back. So, yeah, uh, if it would if it didn't continue into the NFL, you'd say ah, just a crowded backfield situation. But now with the Raiders and and adding another running back there, Kenyon Drake to the mix, uh, I, I think I side with you more. Matt, and there's a lot of other good running backs in the league. You have to ask the question, okay, well, who are you putting him over? Mm-hmm. And I'm not just going to shove him up into the top 10 ahead of some of the other. You know, I'm not going to put him ahead of Nick Chubb or ahead of uh, Derrick Henry or ahead of, you know, I, I could get an argument with Joe Mixon, but, it, you know, that's you're splitting hairs. You're talking about one or two slots. Yeah, I mean, those names you mentioned to me are 
clearly above him. He's capable of competing with those guys. I mean, he could have a season along those lines where he moves up this board substantially. I'm actually looking at it now. I wanted to make sure I pulled it up. I had Jacobs 14, so I was a little harsher on him than we remembered. And I had him behind Cam Akers, Miles Sanders, Austin Eckelar, right outside the top 10. I Maybe I would take him over Miles Sanders on second yeah. thought. Well, and and that's, a, that's a tier, right? Those are a tier yeah. of guys where I'm not going to argue. You could put him at 11 in front of Eckler. You could put him behind those guys at 14. I think that's a really tight tier. But when you start jumping to the next tier, I don't think Josh Jacobs has proven that. No. And looking at his history, I don't know why you would expect for him to prove that, even though he's a really talented back. Yeah, and I mentioned how he hasn't been on the field a ton. You know, I'm just reading my notes on him. He did produce over 1,300 yards in his first two seasons in the league. You know, like, I mean, I'm not right. saying he's a slouch. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And can he, can he handle more? If he was given the full load, would he stay healthy and and produce? That would be the big question. And mm-hmm. I think he would put up huge numbers, but would he be healthy at the end of it? That's the big question. And that's the question with every running back. That's why, yeah. Matt, say with me, running backs don't matter. All right, oh, I'm good. not with you on that. <laughs> Uh, There are a couple of Bengals questions here. This one from Quite Terrific says, another angle to the Sewell-Chase debate at the top of the draft for the Bengals. Matt always says that this is an organization without many stars. Historically, they let A.J. Green walk. Any chance they wanted to replace his star power? Maybe. I think those things aren't fiction. You know, I mean, that the owner... I mean, I think that's why Tebow's in Jacksonville. You know, I mean, I think there's some organizations, unfortunately, that need a little extra oomph to sell a jersey or two more. You know, I mean, Jacksonville leads that list, but maybe in Arizona, Cincinnati, I mean, some of these teams that aren't historically great with a lot of trophies and playoff appearances or, you know, a fan base that's super dialed in. I, I say that a lot about the Rams. I mean, I think that the Rams... Being in L.A., they have to compete with the Lakers and movie stars and weather and surfing. And I think having stars and scrubs Rams mentality being the Showtime Lakers isn't an accident. So I hear you. I would hope that's not what it came down to, but maybe as a tiebreaker, you know, Burrow to chase the LSU Tiger. The, the Tigers now turn Bengals. I'm sitting there trying to market them, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. sure there'll be some stuff. They some kept their stripes. Stuff. The stripes change colors. I don't know. Right. To me, though, the best thing for your organization and building stars is playing in prime time, playing in playoff right. games. So being better is much more important than than grabbing a big name in the draft. So if Sewell made you better, they made the wrong choice. If Chase is a superstar wide receiver, then they absolutely made the right choice. They'll have a superstar guy, and they'll win a lot of games. And, you know, hopefully their their offensive line holds up. I'm still Camp Sewell in that, just seeing, like, you know, the, the players you can get in the second round at wide receiver. You know, give me Sewell and Terrace Marshall all day long. So No, uh, I hear you. Yeah. Um, but I understand that, and I know there is some organizational philosophies. I think L.A. is a perfect example of it. New stadium, you got to compete yeah. with the L.A. market. I'm sure from the start, there was it was very clear from ownership on down what the plan was in L.A. and how they wanted to build that thing on paper, and I think we're seeing that because they've, they've taken it to the extreme. That can't be an accident. No, I, I mean, it's a, an interesting way to team build, build. It's worked for them. I'm intrigued no matter what city, you know, the Rams front office would be parked, you know, parked there and parked at right now. But having the Ramseys and Donalds and, you know, Goff didn't quite live up to that, but Gurley there and, you know, so, some of those guys, 
I do think commands attention a little more than a lot of other ways teams are built, and that's important in that stadium and that in that city. And then the Chargers steal headlines and end up with a young superstar quarterback and Justin Herbert. And the Rams say, well, we can't stand for that. We got to go trade for a star quarterback now. And uh, I think you can really see a lot of that coming to fruition with L.A. Really quick, the the second Bengals related question I have here, and I was linked to a pro football focus simulation where they simmed the season like a thousand times. And the team that won the NFC North the most was the Cleveland Browns. Very close behind them was the Baltimore Ravens. Then a big gap. Then it was the Bengals just barely beating out the Steelers. My question for you isn't so mm. much about the Steelers, but Andy wants to know about those Bengals. Is this the season? Can the Bengals really turn this around and, and be a team that leapfrogs some teams in the North? I'd have a hard time believing they'll win more games in Pittsburgh. You know, And a lot of that is just... Tomlin's never had a losing season, and I'm not sure the Cincinnati – I'm just saying that the jury's – I'll be generous and say the jury's out on the Cincinnati coaching staff. And I do think there's – it's not an accident that Harbaugh, Peyton, Carroll, Tomlin rarely have bad years. You know what I mean? So, yes, I think this is a down year for the Steelers, but that doesn't mean they're going to be in the five-win neighborhood. It's, As it's, for the – Go ahead. Just really quick with the Steelers, it's so hard to argue that the Steelers are going to be bad when you have one of the top five defenses in the NFL, and you still have, even though he's old, a Hall of Fame quarterback. you got some talent on offense. You just drafted a first-round running back. You've got talent all throughout the roster. And, oh, yeah, this team rattled off, what, 12 straight wins last season? Right, and I try not to overreact to that, especially on this show. I don't think the Steelers are going to be a contender this year, but I certainly think they're going to be in the playoff mix. I mean, two years ago, they didn't have a quarterback and were eight and eight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, they're running trotting out Duck Hodges with no running game and they were eight and eight. I mean, I'm not saying they can do that again, but I bet the offense is better than that group. And I think the skill position guys are quite good. Back to the Bengals, though, I think the offense very much turns the corner and. It, to give you a, not a little bit of hope, but I mean, throw you a bone, maybe it wouldn't blow me away if the Bengals had the best offense in the AFC North. I could see that. Uh, obviously, Joe Burrow has to stay upright, and I think mm-hmm. he absolutely, I think he would have been rookie of the year probably last year if he was healthy all season. So he has to be healthy, be that same guy, take another step. I think there was definitely signs there. You've got a stud running back in Joe Mixon. You just added Jamar Chase in the top five to Tyler Board, uh, Tyler Boyd, who's a slot maniac. You got T. Higgins, who looked really good as a second rounder on the outside last year. Um, that's uh, that's a ton of talent on offense to work with and a ton of talent for Joe Burrow to work with. Obviously, it's the defensive side of the ball that's going to be key, and they might have gotten even a little worse defensively, right? Because they wow. lost their best pass rusher. They they did bring in... Uh, who'd they bring in? Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson. You know, but yeah. They lost... I mean, I thought they had three really good defensive players in Bates, Lawson, William Jackson, and two of them are gone. Right. So you still have Jesse Bates... In center field, which is solid. Your corners yeah. are uh, Eli Apple, I mean, they brought Trey in Hilton Waynes. and Ouzier, and they're fine. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Asai and Cameron Sample. I like Cameron Sample as a fourth-round draft pick. Asai is a stand-up rusher. So, I mean, a lot has to go right on defense. I just don't think they're ready there yet. 
I think their linebackers are very bad. And obviously the offensive line could derail the offense, too. So this mm-hmm. could still be the worst team in the division by a, by a long shot. And they could be drafted in the top five again next year. Like that, There's a lot of opportunity for growth, obviously, but this could also still be a pretty bad team. Here's a question for you from at Williamson NFL oh. to BD Peacock. If, you ha- if you're starting a team, or you're Houston, and you could pluck one quarterback out of the north, who would you take? Not Ben. It would be, and this is for building a franchise or for one year? From now on. You get them, just snag them for now. I would take Burrow. I think I would too. Yeah. If it was just for one season, I'd take Lamar. Yes. Because he's such a problem right now. But just looking at what Burrow could be, I'd probably swing on on Burrow. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. So there's optimism. It's just. I also trust their coach the least of the th- of the four. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one too, and and maybe we'll find out because it takes a couple years for programs to get set. You got your quarterback; mm-hmm. him staying healthy is just a huge part of that. So we'll find out. Yeah. It's going to be fun, actually, in the North. I can't wait. That's one of the most exciting divisions in the NFL, and I do like what the Bengals are doing. I do like the direction. Um, I think maybe a little bit more urgency with the line and the defense is the only thing that worries mm-hmm. me. There. All right. More of your questions coming up on this Tuesday edition of Peacock and Williamson. Bet online is the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season, full swing. It's going to be going all summer long. Baseball just about every single day. You can track all that at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs. Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL. UFC, MMA action, there's triple crown horse racing, there's golf, there's reality TV, table games, poker, anything you want to get in on, you can find that action at betonline.ag. So before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop, mobile device, desktop, computer, whatever you got. A 50% welcome bonus with promo code locked on on your first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Head to BetOnline.ag today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code locked on. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. You trying to get in shape? You trying to get that post pandemic summer bod back? Nutrition's a big part of it. Find something full of protein that's low in sugar instead of a sugary snack that is going to derail your diet. I'm talking about Built Bar. You can also save 15% by using promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. All the old flavors, fantastic ones, some new flavors, low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, even good for a keto diet. Feel good about yourself. Have a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Great for the health-conscious folks out there that can help your diet lose, maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Go to BuiltBar.com, find your favorite flavors, even build your own box of Built Bars. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Dominic wants to know, Matt, what is the probability of a Julio Jones trade and where makes sense? Hmm. I think, and this is no inside information, that Atlanta has the foot on the gas, tries to outscore their opponents, and when it gets to be trade deadline time, 
If that philosophy isn't working out, you shop Julio. I th- I mean, I know there's been rumors, and I know post-June 1, things are a little easier. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's a bad message. It feels like you're punting on the season to trade him for a second and a fourth. Or, I mean, I'm not sure you get a first for him. I, I, you know, so maybe when you're two and four, you, you, you field offers, or if Matt Ryan gets hurt and the season looks like it's lost and you need to redeem some picks. But I think at this point, you say bombs away. We have a chance to maybe have the best offense in the league. Let's see what we can do. I think that's the smart way to play it. And really, realistically, nothing could have happened before June 1st just because it's. I'm looking at it right now, $23 million dead money hit. uh, And they would have actually lost cap space to trade him before June 1st. After June 1st, now all of a sudden they save. They still take a hit, but they save $15 million. So post-June 1st, it's wide open. If they wanted to do it, they absolutely could do it, and they would save cap space. The question is, what are you getting for Julio Jones? He's been injured so much, too. I don't think it's crazy for them at all to want to trade Julio Jones but you're probably trading him to a contender if it's not a first round pick now you're talking about a late second round pick that you're getting for him why not just roll out there you could still trade him at the deadline if he's Mm -hmm. healthy you know knock on wood that he still is healthy try to win some games and try to outscore some people because I don't know what the return would be and I don't think it helps the Falcons all that much especially when you could just trade him, you know, before the draft or, you know, you don't have to trade him now. You could trade him in the future and, and still get the same draft picks and have him on your team all year. So sitting there kicking around teams, though, that would be interested. I don't know if he's a no trade clause or not, but you could ship him to Baltimore if he doesn't have a no trade clause and maybe win a lot of games and finally finish, you know, fix that receiver problem. New England comes to mind. I would have a much different vision of New England's passing game with Julio Jones. But how about, hey, AR, we're going to send Julio Jones to Green Bay for Jordan Love. Green Bay for Jordan Love straight up? Yeah. You say, hey, Aaron, we're going to send Love down to Atlanta for Julio. How do you like that? Does that make you happy? Here's the problem with at least half the league is that Julio's cap number is like $15 million. Astronomical. And the Packers are one of those teams that according to over the cap right now are over the cap by $66,000. So they're like scraping against the top of the cap yeah. as it is. So what could they do? Restructure Rogers. Yeah, I don't know if that like gets that would there, probably right. be you resign Rogers, restructure his money post June 1st. Now you're saving enough cap space to fit in Julio. That would be pretty fun to see Julio <laughs> and Rogers with uh, Adams on the other side. Uh, that's not, that's not a terrible idea. I kind of like that one. Sounds like a Raider move too. Right. <laughs> That is a very Raidery move, but it would be an interesting end to that Rodgers Packers situation, and it'd be one of the cleanest ways to do it as far as Rodgers go. Not only add a weapon for him that's a Hall of Fame caliber dude, you extend him. There's nobody knocking on the door, and you move out the young quarterback that you brought in that could have replaced him in the first place. So that, like, that's the that is the way to fix it for the Packers if they wanted to be like, look, there's this conversation about Rodgers is now over. They kill a lot of birds, right. and you would think if, if anything's going to make Rodgers happy, there it is. Plus, if I'm Atlanta, 
I got my young quarterback. You know, I, I passed on one at four. Now I got my young quarterback to groom. Still a high upside player. Maybe the Falcons had a high grade on him last year in the draft. Who knows? And that will probably be one of the keys because the, the Packers traded up for him for a reason. There must be some teams out there that they felt were going to jump mm-hmm. all over him. There has to be a team out there that have first-round grade on Jordan Love. So would that team still be interested in him? And maybe that would have to be a, a preseason situation. That would be a little bit late, but maybe see him at least on the field first because a lot of those rookies last year that didn't play, we don't know what they look like at all. No, absolutely. I mean, I I imagine Jordan Love's value when he drove off the, the, the car lot dropped a little, but I don't know how you could think any differently of him. If Arthur Smith loved him or whoever, I mean, if Washington loved him, whoever, how could you feel any differently about him now? It's a good point. Yeah, very good point. And you're getting him at a discount. I would think. Let's see where we at here. Let's go to A.A. Ron. Do you think there will be any revolt or mutiny against the NFLPA due to their failed recommendations for this offseason? It's an interesting question because there was talk of players and there were statements on behalf of players for multiple teams from the NFLPA that they weren't going to show up for offseason workouts, but everybody's showing up for offseason workouts. So I'm not sure what the plan is. And it sounds like they aren't on the same page. Yeah, I don't have my finger on the pulse of this, to be honest with you. And I don't really feel like I'm qualified to answer it all that well. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, who would be upset? Um, coach me up here. I'm, what am I missing? I, I don't think that there's uh, – I just think that the NFLPA is trying to look out for the safety of their players because they have mm-hmm. to, and that's what their job is. But the players aren't worried about it, and the players want to get their workout bonuses, and the players want to win roster spots, right. and that's what's best for them long term. And the teams obviously want the players in, so the teams aren't going to help out the NFLPA to not have any offseason program. The teams want offseason programs again, and we're seeing the way things are moving and vaccinations. Like It, it seems to me that it's rolling in a direction of there's going to be full pretty much – off-season programs and some players can opt out if they want, but that might hurt them more than help them unless it's completely unified. And it doesn't seem completely unified right now, but there is still some time because we're not quite at that mandatory mini camp stage. But when that happens, which is, uh, what is that? June, right? Early June. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the second week of June when that happens, like this has to be like the NFLPA and the players have to be on the same page and they're either all showing up or nobody's showing up. Yeah, and along those lines, you know, I was just giving it more thought as you were talking, that I think the players want normalcy. I mean, I've been around teams, and football players are massive creatures of habit. I mean, they want in March to do what they do in March every year, in June to do what they do in June every year, to have normal off-seasons. I absolutely think, to your point, that with vaccines and where we're at and fewer masks and all that, very few of them are probably worried about their safety now, you know, in terms of catching a disease or whatever. But it also dawned on me, too, a lot of players this offseason signed one-year deals, you know, and it's put up to shut-up time. I mean, if you're on a one-year deal, I'm doing everything I possibly can to be a better football player so I can cash out after that deal. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt at all. And football players just tend to be wired in a way that they think they're invincible like there's a few people that have legitimate concerns and some pre-existing conditions and stuff and they have to be careful and those players i could see wanting to make make sure everything is you know 
perfect scenario for them to walk into into a building with a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of staff and vaccinated and all of those things. But for most players in the NFL, if you've been around an NFL player, you know, they think they could walk into a burning building and come out, you know, <laughs> as cool as they walked in. So um, I think for that reason, it's going to be a tough sell for the NFLPA, even with their own players that they're representing to keep people out of camp. And I, I think yeah. And, and things are changing very rapidly. So by the time it's summertime and training camp is is rolling around, I I just think it's not even going to be much that much of an issue like it was last year. No, I mean, like I I fully expect to live in Latrobe this year mm-hmm. with the Steelers and, you know, be in the calf with them and all that stuff. I mean, I'd be shocked if it's any different. By the way, my vaccination went so smooth that I, I had zero. Like I felt perfectly normal. I was I was going to wow. visit the in-laws after my second shot last weekend, and I thought, oh man, this is going to be brutal. I'm going to sit there and be miserable for you know 24, 48 hours. I didn't have a single symptom. I just skated right through it. So I don't know if that means I that uh, good for you. I was I already got it or something. I don't. I have no idea what that means. But I was pleasantly surprised by my second vaccination shot. I had a rough 24 hours. I mean, the day I, I got it in the afternoon, the rest of that night was fine. But I woke up until. The day, it was the day before the draft, and I had back-to-back radio shows to do after we recorded. I was struggling for a good eight hours or so. That's I heard so many people say the same thing. So yeah, good for you. Lucky. Got lucky, I guess, or maybe the shot didn't take. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's nothing in it. Yeah. Uh, I got the placebo shot. Okay, <laughs> we'll finish up segment three. Your questions next. A big reason to repair and maintain your vehicle is to save money. And because chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and always reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account Log in. Just go head over to rockauto.com. The website is super easy to use. Find whatever you need for any, and I mean any, make or model of car or truck. rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers for 20 years online. They have everything you need. Tail lamps, motor oil, jumper cables, small parts, big parts, aftermarket kits, whatever you need to get your car looking and performing. It's best get everything you need in a few easy clicks and get it delivered directly to your door go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com Ooh, here we go this is a good one actually this is an easy answer for me i'm interested to see how you feel about this one matt dave wants to know over under on three and a half rookies Rookie quarterbacks starting in week one of the 2021 season. Oh, that's a good question. Lawrence is a lock, right? Wilson's a lock. That's two locks. So now that means two more. To take the over, two more quarterbacks would have to start in week one. And I think there's only three possibilities. I mean, the chances of obviously Mond or Trask or, well, I guess Houston conceivably could yeah it would, take, go it would obviously take an injury for mond trask or davis uh, davis mills could could be the opening starter davis mills could but even last year uh tyrod taylor was the starting quarterback right over a number six overall pick in week one i don't know why tyrod's good 
I don't know why the Texans would roll in with a, a rookie quarterback there when they probably need some stability at quarterback. So un, unless there's an injury again, or they brought over the uh, the Chargers trainer that punctures his lung before a game, I, I don't see that <laughs> happening either. And so of the of the first round guys, Cam's going to start, right? I think so. Cam, has I think to Dalton's going to start. I, I would say that. And Jimmy's going to start. And Jimmy's going to start. So, and even if I, I, and I actually think that there's a pretty darn good opportunity for Justin Fields to start week one, but that still only gets you to three. I don't feel comfortable that two more of those guys are going to start. So that's an easy under for me because I think the max number is probably three. Yeah. I think I'd even set the line at three or two and a half. Yes. I kind of hope that changes, you know, especially in Chicago. But as it stands right now, and certainly. Jimmy or Dalton or somebody could sprain an ankle or whatever too. Right. No. Yeah. That the, there's enough opportunity to where if things went a certain way, it could be four. But to me, that's an easy under of three and a half, just because it's so unrealistic. It would have to be an. It have to be like most of those quarterbacks just flat out aren't that can't play physically in week one. Do you agree that Mac Jones has a better chance to be a week one starter than Trey Lance? Yes. Here's okay. the other thing with it, yeah. all these rookie quarterbacks. Tra- like if if Tom Brady gets hurt, the Trask probably won't start the first week anyway. It'd be like Gabbert or somebody, right? You're going to go bet. with the right, veteran. Right. So I, in, in most of those situations, even in San Francisco, I could see Josh Rosen or Nate Sudfeld getting the start in week one because the plan is to not have your rookie out there before he's ready. And some of these rookies, they I'm sure the coaching staffs aren't planning on for those rookie quarterbacks to be ready to go and run their full offense in week one. They won't be ready. I mean, Lawrence isn't right. going to be ready. Wilson's not going to be ready. I mean, nobody's ready. But, you know, you're right. I, I I agree that if Brady gets hurt, I don't think Trask is the opening day starter. Right. And Mond. It's probably the same. Who's the back? Who's the other quarterback in? Uh, That's what I was sitting Minnesota. here thinking. I was hoping you didn't bring that up. <laughs> I can find out real quick. Hold on. <laughs> it is. It's, it's not a big name guy. It is. <laughs> it'll be Mond. Okay, so it's Jake Browning yeah, and Nate Stanley. So if Kirk Cousins gets hurt before week one, it's going to be Kellen Mond. I would imagine, yeah. Unless this... uh, I'm going to go in. I think there's two, maybe three. Yeah, yeah, three max for me. And I think Here's there's a good question. chance for three. What about in week eight? How about this? What's the over-under on what week Justin Fields starts? Because I think he's – I would put all of my money that he's a starter by week three. I think it's going to be very early. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. All right, we're on yeah. the same page there. Okay, yeah. Who is going to be New York Jets starting running back this season? I think it'll be Carter. With some Coleman sprinkled in, with some P. Ryan sprinkled in. I would bet on Carter to produce the most yards. I'm Notice I said that, not necessarily their rushing leader. Okay, so not the guy who gets the first carry week one, but the guy who produces the most by guy. the end of the year. Right. Yeah, definitely I mean, I Michael Carter for me because I think he's going to be a weapon out of the backfield to start, and probably a pretty good chance just because he's got like there's no juice in that backfield. Josh Adams, um, no. Ty Johnson, Coleman. Tevin Coleman average for for a team that averaged five yards per carry last year. Tevin Coleman's averaging one and a half yards per carry for the 49ers. and I know <laughs> it wasn't he, that bad. I know he knows the system and he's well liked and he can do some things for your offense, but he's he's 
toast to me. So uh, he's not going to win a job because he's dynamic or anything, but he knows the offense and he'll help Michael Carter learn that Jets offense as, you know, uh, obviously the coaching staff coming over from San Francisco there. Michael P. Ryan is applauding running back to me. So maybe it's a P. Ryan Coleman with Carter as the number three guy as the the third down type of back. But by the end of the season, Michael Carter. So the, the only guy I'd put money on there at all is Michael Carter. As we capped off yesterday's show, how about this for a long shot? Frank Gore. <laughs> I was thinking that. I was like, why would you why would you not still have Frank Gore on the roster? Because of the five or six names I'm seeing here, Frank Gore would be at least top three. In the conversation. Like right. is Frank Gore worse than LaMichael P. Ryan right now? Is Adrian Peterson on a team right now? Seriously. It might be somebody not on the team. Their running back room is bad. And look, uh here's the reason why Tevin Coleman or P. Ryan or if you sign Frank Gore, sign somebody that can pass protect. They can pick up a blitz, right? Protect oh, your young yeah. quarterback. So Michael Carter, that's that's a number one for him to get on the field because we talk about his receiving ability. You got to be able to pick up the blitz too. So uh, pass protection is going to be probably the biggest key in yards per carry secondary for whatever running backs playing or should be for whatever running backs playing for the Jets. 100%. And I don't know that Carter is good or bad. I lean towards he's not great at it right now because Javante Williams at the end of the year was handling those responsibilities for North Carolina. And Williams happens to be about the best protecting back in this draft class. So that doesn't necessarily mean Carter stinks at it, but he's not exactly built for it either. I wonder how high he was on their draft board at the top of round two when they selected Elijah Moore. I wonder if there were some conversations there about about the other North Carolina running back. Maybe, maybe. I mean... Maybe they took Michael Carter thinking they were taking the other Michael Carter, and then they took the other Michael Carter. <laughs> then they rectified it with their next draft <laughs> Oh, we really did like you, but we just turned in the wrong card. Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Elijah Moore, Jamison Crowder, Makai Becton, Elijah Vera Tucker. Have a feeling they're going to run to the left whenever they do run quite often. That's a pretty good left side of the offensive line. Zach Wilson's blind side. Carl Lawson in free agency. You got C.J. Mosley. Uh, Jared Davis they added. I liked Bryce Hall. Fifth-round steal last year. They didn't do a lot at corner in the draft, so they must like what they saw from him in his rookie season. Marcus May, Ashton Davis, some athleticism at safety. I love the direction the Jets are going. I I like it, too. And you didn't even mention Quentin Williams, who was yes. a stud last week, last year, and nobody noticed because they were such a bad team. I think the coaching change will have immediate dividends. Uh, Ryan McDowell on Locked on Dynasty last night, we were even talking about, I'm not sure I've totally, you know, dug a grave for Chris Herndon either. I mean, I've been, I've bit on him too many times in fantasy and he, <laughs> he hurts you every time. I'm not sure if Crowder will be there. I mean, it could, could you just trade Crowder to the Lions for a fourth round pick or something like that? But I do like the direction. I mean, they're stressing the lines of scrimmage. I think corner will be a big priority next offseason. How about this for a deep, 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 deep sleeper at tight end, Kenny Yaboa? Yeah. He was an undrafted free agent for the New York Jets, but as a move tight end in that offense, I could see him carving out a little role. Yeah. I mean, I think he's got a shot at playing time, which is un- unusual for an undrafted tight end. Right. No. We will be ranking tight ends later this week, by it, the way. Oh, yeah, that's that? right. Tight ends, wide receivers coming up. We're out of time today, so uh, tune back in. 
go back and listen to Monday's episode where we went through Matt Williamson's top five, top 25 running backs for the 2021 season. We'll be doing tight ends and wide receivers this week as well. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks for all the questions. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.